Alan is going to come up now, and um, he's got a word for us, and I'm looking forward to it. It's the second in our series. So, Alan, um, pray that God will bless you as you speak to us, and over to you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for leading uh, the early part of our service, and uh, thank you for our tech team as well, who are here today. Uh, as Steve has uh, said a number of times, we we're on this theme of exile, uh, which we started last week. And the title of the series has been called Postcards from the Exile. And the postcards bit was really about us being interactive, about you uh, perhaps feeding back into it. And uh, last week, we, we set the challenge to send a postcard. We've got a special email address, postcards at norwichcentral.org. And uh, we asked you last week to send a postcard to yourself at the beginning of lockdown. And it was good to see some of those responses. We were able to share some of them in the newsletter this week. Um, it's good to have that creative instinct as well to think what God might be saying to us. So this week's postcard, we're going to be particularly looking at uh, a dream this week in our story, uh, which we'll find in Daniel chapter 2. And um, so the, the thought about the postcard this week, and it would be lovely to have some sent in, was to uh, dream for the kingdom of God. To dream for the kingdom of God. Now, Chris Bowater once wrote a song called Make Me a Dreamer for Your Kingdom. And uh, it goes back a few years now. But what would our dreams be for the kingdom of God? Maybe it might be for NCBC. Maybe it might be for our city. Maybe it might be for God's kingdom worldwide. But what would your dream be for God's kingdom at this time? It would be lovely to have some of those postcards back into us. Uh, during the week, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to share some of those things. Dream big for God's kingdom. So just thinking about where we got to uh, last week, we were thinking about the people of Judah who were exiled around about 600 BC to Babylon. And we found out that Babylon was the dominant culture of the time. But it's one that stood for everything that was against what God stood for against the people of Judah. And among those people who were exiled was Daniel and his three friends, Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah. And uh, they were chosen by the Babylonians to be immersed in Babylonian culture. Three years they spent uh, going through that process, but they still stood up for their God, Yahweh. And uh, wherever possible, they sought to influence those people in Babylon. And we compared that a bit with our own culture and looked at some of the characteristics of the Western world. We, we thought about media and marketing and economics, sexuality, religion, truth, self-image, authority. And we unpacked them a bit and said that uh, Britain has become a post-Christian nation, a post-Christian culture, and that many of these prevailing characteristics don't really go hand in hand with being apprentices of Jesus. And in John 15, we read Jesus' words that tell us that we are not of the world, but we have been chosen out of the world. And we've got choices as to how we respond to this situation. We can um, retreat into a holy bubble, 
So we're not influenced by the outside world, but actually we've got little chance as well of influencing those outside us. For many people, it's becoming more assimilated into the culture that we live in, becoming influenced by those around us. And gradually that can turn to compromise so that something of our relationship with Jesus slips until we actually got more uh, in common with the prevailing culture than the church that Jesus wants us to be. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's the second option. We could assimilate more, become more part of the culture of this world. But we were looking at that third option, where we retain those links with the world around us, and we seek to make a positive impact wherever we go. We seek to transform those around us by partnering with Jesus to take his kingdom out, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we were calling this being a creative minority. And that's where our series is going, about being a creative minority. And today, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to be thinking particularly about how the pattern of Daniel's life and his relationship with God enabled him to become that creative minority, part of a creative minority in Babylon. And in the early part of chapter 2, it's quite a long chapter, we're not going to read the whole thing together, but we find King Nebuchadnezzar, who uh, had been disturbed because of a dream that he had. And he called all his advisors and his magicians and his enchanters, not only to tell him what the dream meant, but also what the dream was. Now, maybe he couldn't remember what the dream was, just that he remembered he was disturbed by it. Or maybe he wanted to do this as a test, to test the authenticity of those people that he wanted to interpret. And it was probably that those people kept huge manuals of data relating to previous dreams, what had happened before, what had happened after the dreams. And they would cross-reference those things and to be able to give interpretations for lots of dreams. This is what they said in uh, verse 10 of chapter 2. There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. But Nebuchadnezzar was having none of that. He felt his advisors were fobbing him off. Unless they could tell him what the dream was and its interpretation, all the wise men in Babylon were going to be destroyed. Now, at this point in the chapter, we find out that Daniel was considered to be one of these people. And uh, he would be killed. So Daniel agrees with the king's army captain to have an audience with King Nebuchadnezzar. And we pick up our reading in chapter 2 of Daniel and verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven 
concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So let's unpack some of what those verses tell us. The early verses there says, uh, Then Daniel returned to the house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So firstly, we see Daniel approaching his friends to seek mercy from God. And it's a small part of the story that you might just skip past. You might consider it such a small detail in what could really be an action-adventure. Daniel told his friends to seek mercy from God. Asking for mercy is not something that you would hear perhaps in everyday language today, but it speaks of our relationship with God, a relationship that recognizes him as being all-sufficient. Colossians 1 speaks about Jesus, and it puts it this way, the Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Those verses speaking about Jesus, the image of the invisible God. And when we approach God in this light, It's certainly much greater than the way that Daniel approached Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. Notice, thread into that, Daniel was keen to acknowledge that the authority that Nebuchadnezzar had was given to him by God. Asking for mercy from God can be an attitude of life. It shows something of that relationship that we have with God. The mystery is that we have a relationship with the God described in Colossians, but we can also have an intimacy 
with God as well, a closeness beyond any other. And asking for mercy shows something of the approach we can have to this God who is sovereign. It shows something of humility to approach God like that. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18 of a Pharisee, who a well-respected religious person and a tax collector. Somebody who was hated in society and who Jesus had been criticized for meeting with. This is what it says. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The approach of the tax collector was one of humility, one of recognition that God is the source of everything. I wonder how we approach God in prayer. We're reminded in John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Despite the seriousness of the situation for Daniel, he took time out to seek God. Culture today for many people means there's little time for anything. Despite the proliferance of labor-saving devices, many people seem to be rushing about from one thing to another, often reaching burnout. For Daniel, he'd risen to an important position in the corridors of power in Babylon. As we found out last week, he had been chosen because of his physique and his capabilities, and he was fast-tracked into that position. Yet he recognized his reliance on God and humbly sought after him. In our 21st century culture, it can be hard to acknowledge a total reliance on God. The prevailing culture may be is that it's survival of the fittest. A humanistic approach would be that our strength is within us and finding ways of allowing our inner self to flourish without the need to rely on God. It can be seen as a sign of weakness to ask God for mercy and to rely on him. Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In a culture that doesn't recognize God, each generation supposedly makes progress. That could be scientifically or technologically or intellectually, and until it's meant to reach some kind of utopia. 
and even for believers. Sometimes it can seem easier to go through life with God on the margins and just calling on him if we have a need. Lord, have mercy is a confession of need. It's a way of drawing God into our everyday lives, not just in a time of crisis, but to be the center of the way we live our lives. That may seem countercultural to where we are at the moment. Let me frame it slightly different for you. Whatever our daily pattern, whether it be raising a family, children running around, needs to be met, school things to get ready, or maybe coping with a stressful job and then coming home to meet other needs of the family, or even coping with loneliness, illness, or frailty. You put your own circumstances into your own daily lives. Lord, have mercy. I can try and work through this in my own strength, but would you walk through this day with me? Would you, give, would you give me the strength to deal with all that comes my way? Would you reveal your plans to me? Would you keep me aligned to your will? Would you draw close and lead me through the day? It can become a pattern of life, just as it was for Daniel. Drawing God into every situation, allowing his goodness and grace to flow through us as we seek to be a creative minority. The second thing that could become a pattern for life is the praise and worship that Daniel gave. And we saw in verses 20 to 23 of our reading how Daniel responded in praise and worship once God had revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him. There was no rushing off because the work had to be done, no avoidance of that because the situation was so desperate. In the midst of the crisis, Daniel recognized the need to stop and worship. And the two things are, are nicely linked, really, recognizing the need of mercy from God, who is above all things, and worshiping God for who he is. We sang that earlier. Worshiping God for who he is and the things he's done. In this poem of worship, Daniel acknowledges that this is the God of all wisdom and might, that he controls the seasons, that he controls the politics, that he reveals mysteries, and specifically had revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its meaning to him. I wonder if we can find a place for praise and worship in our everyday lives. Could that be part of a pattern of our relationship with God? We often associate praise and worship with something sung or maybe something that happens when we're gathered together on a Sunday. But it's as much an attitude of mind to look to him and offer them the praise that he deserves. For the culture around us, Praise and worship can be lauded towards many other things. Could be success at work or success at school, an Oscar-winning performance, a championship-winning team, hopefully this week, the purchase 
of a new house or a new car. All those things that are celebrated by the culture around us. And there's nothing wrong with many of these things. But as apprentices of Jesus, how much more can we worship the creator God who is above all things and loves us more than anything in the world? The third thing that become, can become part of a pattern of life is the confidence that Daniel had in God. This confidence runs right through the whole book of Daniel. And in today's chapter, we see that in the way he talks to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. When God revealed the dream and its interpretation to him, he didn't have any doubt. He didn't have any doubt about it at all and had the confidence to relay that to the king. If we read on in the chapter, we find that the message he had to take was not particularly a comforting one, but spoke of how Babylon would decline after uh, the king's time. How must Daniel have felt relaying that message to the king? What reaction would he get from the king? But Daniel stayed true to what God had revealed to him and had the confidence to bring that to King Nebuchadnezzar. We might call that confidence faith, faith in what God can do. When we are attuned to him and giving him praise for praise, the praise that he's due, having that confidence that faith can, can become part of our everyday life. Three things to consider. Three things to consider about the pattern of life, that we draw him in, we seek mercy, we ask for him, we give him praise, and we have the confidence that he will do that. Just as we draw to a close, I'd like to consider the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and its interpretation. And you can see on the image uh, described in Daniel 2 that it was of a statue. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. The interpretation was that the head of gold represented Nebuchadnezzar. And as we went down the body, the parts were made of lesser metals or materials, and there was also a rock or a stone that was not made from human hands but one by one smashed all the pieces of the statue, which represented king, kingdoms coming after the kingdom of Babylon. And most commentators agree that the other kingdoms represented the empires, the Medes and the Persians, the Greek empire, the Roman empire, all of which were shattered by this stone that represents Jesus 
and the coming kingdom of God. Verse 44 says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So we read about the kingdom of God that will outlast all other kingdoms and will endure forever. And the kingdom of God was launched with the coming of Jesus. And as we said last week, as the people of God, we are part of that kingdom. We are part of that kingdom culture. Rather than being part of the culture of this world. We're living in a time after the kingdom was brought in, but before the time when it will be fully consummated, when Jesus comes again. So in this now, but not yet time, we see the results still of sin operating in the world. We see Jesus also working through his people to bring about his purposes of love and light and justice. We see his calling to his church to make disciples. We see his light carried out by the people of God to be a distinctive, creative minority in the world around. I'm just going to pick up on two verses, two quotes from Matthew's Gospel about the kingdom of God to link in with what we were saying earlier today. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about all the things that the culture of the day uh, felt were important. What you eat and drink, what you wear. They're the things the pagans worry about, Jesus said. And in verse 33 of chapter 6, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus says that the first thing to look out for is the kingdom of God. The pattern of life starts with God's kingdom and his purposes. All the rest will fall into place. The other quote is made by both John the Baptist and by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That word repent has often uh, come to mean dealing with a specific sin, saying that you're sorry, asking for forgiveness, not doing it again. And there's definitely a place for that in the Christian life today. But the wider sense of the word repent, derived from the Greek word metaneo, means a turning round, a change of mind a change of direction. Jesus was saying, this is how things should be in my kingdom. I want you to have a change of direction, a change in what is important in your life, a complete turnaround where God comes first. If we are to be a creative minority for the kingdom of God, our relationship with him will be all important in determining how effective we are in that. If he's on the margins of our time and energy, then our effectiveness will be less than if he's at the center. In a place where we ask for mercy and we offer praise and worship, 
on a daily basis. Jesus can become closer to that center. For Daniel, it was revealed to him the mystery of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the meaning behind it. For us, the mystery of God's love and purposes have been revealed to us. A message of love, of justice for the marginalized, of peace, of life, life in all its abundance. Maybe at this time, this season, we've been given that time to reflect as we move out of lockdown. Maybe it's time to use that word repent, a turning, to reassess our relationship with him and have the confidence that Daniel did to become a creative minority in the world around us. Maybe this season will give us the opportunity to reassess our pattern of life, seeking to ask for mercy, seeking to include him in all that we do, seeking to give him praise on a daily basis. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, would endorse this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the postscript to the story from Daniel 2.47 is this, that the king recognized God's greatness through how Daniel had responded. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Daniel's reliance on God resulted in the great king Nebuchadnezzar recognizing the greatness of Daniel's God. How much can we have an impact for God as a creative minority in the world around us? Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word and we thank you that you desire to be close to us. Thank you for those words about rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for that's your will. Help us today to just reassess our relationship with you. We long to be that creative minority in the world around us. Lord, by your spirit, work within us today. Open us up to your promptings. In Jesus' name, amen.